This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Evan Lazar, and you are listening to the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by the CLNS Media Podcast Network and brought to you by our sponsors at betonline.ag. The Patriots will hopefully finally take on the Denver Broncos this Sunday after this game was, of course, postponed last week due to the coronavirus scare in New England. So this is our second stab at a preview of Broncos Patriots. So I wanted to bring in Brandon Thorne from Establish the Run. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL to talk the trenches with me, some offensive lines, some defensive line stuff. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. No problem. So if people don't know Brandon, you probably should know Brandon by now. I mentioned his Twitter handle. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter. This guy grinds. He posts more clips than just about anybody that I know on Twitter, mostly focused on offensive and defensive line play. So I wanted to have him on because the Patriots offensive line is off to such a great start. And Brandon, I know you're a huge Dante Skarnecchia guy, as all of us are as well. And the year after Skarnecchia's retirement, the first time around, the Patriots actually won the Super Bowl, but then it got pretty gross after that in 2015. This year, first four games at least, this unit is off and running and looks basically like Scar is still coaching, even though he's not in the building. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I update my offensive and defensive line rankings weekly for establish the run. And I mean, right now I have them as a top five offensive line in the NFL, um, which is pretty incredible considering not only that's Karnecki has come, but also the injuries that they've dealt with and the shuffling that's had to take place uh, up front this season. So it's really an incredible job that they're doing there in New England right now. Uh, I know that they're, they're, they're the, the dual coaching situation right now. And I think uh, that's kind of another topic, but I think that's a really a smart approach to it. Um, a couple of teams have done that over the years and I think that they've had pretty good results, but, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're using a lot of the same teachings that's Karnacki you know, implemented there, but either way, uh, very impressive so far. Um, you know, I, I do think that there's some isolated, uh, weaknesses there, but as a unit, they're, they're playing really well together. And it's, um, you know, along with the scheme, helping uh, mask a lot of what those kind of minor weaknesses are. Yeah, I'll get to the dual offensive line coaches in a second because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. But I, I just wanted to ask you about this scheme. And to you, you know, as somebody that studies offensive lines across the league, you know, all 32 teams, what is it about the Patriots scheme, about their fundamentals that you notice that is puts them in a kind of a cut above the rest in a lot of seasons? Yeah, I mean, well, like you said, fundamentals, they, they don't try to do too much as players. Um, I think that – 
you know, I would, you know, kind of assume, presume that the coaches do a really nice job of teaching the players uh, in a way, you know, individualizing the teaching so that they can kind of play within themselves. And what I mean is there's a lot of offensive linemen out there that try to do too much and it results in them being either over aggressive or timid um, and, you know, kind of whiffing at the point of attack, their hands are, are off, their feet are off. And it seems like consistently this year, no matter who they put in, even if they have some physical limitations, you know, like I think of friends, for instance, um, you know, they, they play pretty technically sound and fundamentally sound, uh, good balance, things like that. They don't try to, you know, do too much. Um, and it, it kind of goes back to the, you know, their mantra of just do your job, I guess. But, um, you know, and then the scheme, you know, they provide good help to, you know, their deficiencies uh, with whether if that's backs, uh, tight ends, you know, moving the pocket, um, you know, some play action. Uh, th- there's just a variety of different ways that I think the good, a lot of good offenses in the NFL provide help to the offensive line, and they're one of them. Um, you know, I think of the Chiefs as being one of the prime teams as well. You know, one of the Patriots, I guess, kind of rivals the last couple of years. They both do such a nice job of helping their offensive line with a lot of misdirection and things like that, just to create a little bit of hesitation in the defense uh, post-snap there just for a split second, and it just provides – I think advantageous angles uh, for the offensive line to, to gain leverage on defenders. So, yeah, man, I mean, they, 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 they just do a really nice job of uh, they, they, they know their personnel and they know how to maximize it. I think that's a great way of putting it about their personnel and, and that, you know, they don't really ask their guys to do things that are outside their comfort zones all that much. You know, I think Shaq Mason's such a great example of that where he spends most of his game, run blocking and power situations. And when he does pass protect, there's not a ton of opportunities that they give the opponent to just put their best pass rusher over Shaq Mason and take him one-on-one. And they have a lot of different ways, like you said, to make sure that they give him help or they give whoever they need to give help, whether it's on Wenu or Shaq or the center, if it's not David Andrews in there. So I think that that's such a great way of categorizing it that you never see the New England offensive line look out of place. You never see any of their individual players looking like they're in positions where they can't succeed or they haven't done it before or they haven't run that particular block or that particular scheme. These are all things that they've practiced. They've done many times in repetitions and many times over and over again, and you can tell that they're comfortable doing it. Going back to the two offensive line coaches, Cole Popovich and Carmen Priscillo, who have gotten high praise from Coach Belichick and right on down the line, I – you hinted at sort of the advantages of having two guys. And I think that it's sort of, obviously you'd rather have one Dante Skarnecchia, but they've had Skarnecchia and uh, Brasillo was his assistant or Popovich was his assistant along the way too. So they've always sort of had two voices in that room in some capacity. It's a very big group numbers wise. Belichick quick to point that out as well. That it's the biggest position group on the entire roster, just in terms of sheer numbers. So what are some of the advantages that you see of having two of those coaches there? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, first I think most, you know, most staffs have an offensive line coach, assistant offensive line coach, so they they do have voices, but to actually in title split it up is is pretty rare, I think. And um, but I have seen some instances of it. You know, the one that comes to mind is the 2018 Broncos. Uh, they did it with Sean Coogler coaching the guards and the centers, and then I believe it was Chris Strasser coaching the tackles and. They were one of the best run games in the NFL that season, uh, according to DVOA, if I'm, if I'm 
remember correctly. Um, and, and I think the advantage of it is really just giving the individualized attention to the player. And it's really that simple. I mean, you're, you know, the, with the shortened off seasons that we have in general, and of course this season as well, but just in general, um, and just there's not a lot of time that coaches get with each player to focus on them individually with their technique. It's a lot of the time focused on scheme um, and maybe opponent. So it's just it gives you another, um, you know, kind of prime voice in the room that is able to have a more specialized focus on a certain position or a certain guy. And it just provides better coaching. I think it's just more attention. Attention, you know, more attention to detail based on the individual. And, you know, I, of course, the chemistry has to be right with the coaches and the players and things like that. So maybe that's why we don't see it often. Um, you know, maybe I know offensive line coaches want their own room kind of thing and, you know, you know, that sort of thing. But I think if you could do it and you could split it up and you have two guys who can handle different positions, it's a good idea a lot of the time just because of the situation that we're in that offensive linemen are in. You know, they just don't get a lot of, you know, of that personalized time. Yeah, we see it out at practice, especially in training camp, where, you know, one of the coaches, Pop or Brasillo, whichever one, will kind of continue the drill, right, continue going on with something. And by having two guys, it allows the other guy to kind of pull somebody aside that might have, you know, had something that needed to be corrected from a previous drill or a previous rep, and then bring them off to the side and communicate that with them and talk about that with them while the drill is still going on with the other coach running it. So I, we did see some of that certainly in training camp. I think that that's a huge advantage. Another advantage that the players have just talked about is that it just offers them different perspectives on how to, you know, do certain things, you know, do certain blocks or go up against certain matchups. If you're, you know, talking about the opponent and talking about getting ready to go up against a Bradley Chubb or something like that, you know, you have a, couple different voices to sort of help you if you're Isaiah win. I want to talk about some of the individual matchups now for Sunday and also just some of the individual players on the offensive line for the Patriots, starting with, uh, I'm sure you knew I was going here eventually, Michael on Wenu. I know that you've watched a little bit of him pretty closely with all the sort of buzz that's coming out of New England on him. What's your impressions of on when he started? Obviously, pro football focus loves him. Uh, Patriots fans can tell that he's off to a really good start, especially for a sixth-round rookie. Yeah, I've been really impressed by him. Um, you know, it really it goes back to what we said in the beginning of him really playing within himself and, and not trying to do too much. And also him – you know, just using his strengths. And, you know, I think coming out of Michigan, it was pretty obvious when you saw just his measurables, it was definitely a, he's a guy who makes you kind of do a double take just because of his height, weight, length, um, and some of his strength numbers and things like that uh, were very, very impressive. Um, now, from what I understand, he's lost some weight, and uh, I think that that's helping him and his ability to move around a little bit while still maintaining a lot of that strength, um, which I think that's the biggest, uh, you know, the, the best trait of his game is his play strength. Um, and he's able to, to, to utilize that as well as he does and as efficiently as he, as he does is because his base is, is consistently, you know, in tune with the rest of his body. He, he plays from a good platform, um, you know, and I, I think that's key. You know, I don't think he necessarily has the, you know, the, the fastest or quickest feet, but I do think he has good feet. Um, he plays under control and, you know, when, when he gets to the point of attack under control, his hands are extremely heavy and he's very strong and powerful. So he's able to knock guys back and create movement really easily. 
Um, and, you know, we see him move around too. And, and he, he does a nice job in that, you know, with the running game as well, but he's recognizing things quickly mentally as a pass protector as well, from what I've seen. Um, now granted they've had a very, very easy schedule, um, in terms of defensive line play, uh, especially cause Chris Jones didn't play, uh, you know, when they played the chiefs, I thought that was going to be a, a, you know, obviously the biggest test of his career so far. So he didn't get to have that one. So I was kind of disappointed in that, but, but either way, you know, for the guys that are on the field, he's handling his job. Well, he's doing what's asked of him and he's showing some, I think some pretty special traits in the process. Um, I'm just excited to hopefully get a chance to see him face uh, at least, a, you know, a very good player, hopefully soon. Yeah, and, and we're going to get to that in, in a second with Shelby Harris, who I think is a pretty underrated interior guy yeah. um, for the Broncos. But I, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Owenu first. I, I think the biggest thing mm-hmm. that you mentioned is that he doesn't have quick feet, but he has good feet. And you can tell that he's always very balanced into his engagements, and he's never really overextending, or his feet are kind of always coming with him with the rest of his upper body, allows him to square up and get on those blocks. The other thing is – you mentioned the recognition and pass protection. I had posted that one clip of him picking up that stun. I think it was against the Raiders where he really moved his feet very, very well to kind of pass that stunt off and not only recognize it, but then be able to slide and mirror the rusher to get him around cam. And I just looked at that and I'm sure you watched on one a little bit at Michigan as well during draft season and said, I don't know if many draft experts or many people that were really in tune with the draft thought that on when was going to be able to move laterally quite that well uh, at the NFL level. I think that was a pretty big concern that people had about him getting beat on his edges, you know, not being able to mirror guys, not being able to stay with guys in pass protection. So far, like you said, it hasn't been the best competition. I also think the Patriots have done things to help him to make sure that he's not kind of on an island against a good pass rusher. But for the most part, he's held up pretty darn well in that regard. I mean, I'm assuming you watched him a little bit in Michigan. Did you think that he was going to be able to be this good in pass protection this quickly? Um, yeah, I watched him very little at Michigan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was, I think, kind of the concern for most people, you know, was just his ability to, to move laterally and things like that. But yeah, I think part of it, you know, a key part is, is the level of competition, honestly, because, you know, they've, they, you said they're helping him against good rushers. I don't think he's seen a good rusher yet. So, um, you know, I mean, Maurice Hurst was, was, I will say, I think he's a good player. Um, as a pass rusher, you know, he, he's okay. He, he's a very good run defender and that was a good battle. Actually, uh, Hurst got him a couple of times with some really good hand usage that he was able to disengage off him pretty quickly. But, um, that was, that was a fun Michigan battle there. But yeah, I mean, aside from Maurice Hurst, I just, you know, it, it's tough because the landscape of interior defensive line play, uh, if you consider that, he just hasn't really seen anybody who's been able to really test him very much yet, which, you know, that, I think that's a big part of it. But, yeah, they they also have helped him, I think, and, you know, they don't ask him to do too much and things like that as well. But, um, yeah, so, so far so good. But, I, you know, I, I like to temper the, uh, I guess, the the narrative a little bit because I'm, I don't know if I'm as high as some people are on him. You know, obviously fans kind of want to jump to conclusions and say that he's a very good starter already, and I, I'm nowhere near that. But I am very impressed. Uh, you know, with him having to switch positions and things like that and look really comfortable doing so, that's very impressive. So there's some impressive aspects of it, but there's also some context I think that's just important to point out. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the context because I think a lot of people, fans included, 
in the first four weeks of the season, first four games of the season, I should say, for the Patriots on when who just is playing extremely well, whether he's at tackle or he's at guard. He's been at left guard, right guard, right tackle, and he's doing them all pretty well. And, of course, Joe Tooney is a franchise tag player and is going to be a free agent next offseason, assuming they don't tag him again. And everyone's already sort of like, well, we got on Wenu, so no need to pay Tooney, right? And I, I definitely think that maybe, maybe we're trending in but... that direction. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. we're trending in that direction, but I don't, I agree with you, Brandon, that we're not there yet with Onwenu. I, I don't think that he could, you could possibly say that he's shown enough to say, okay, you know, we can completely ditch negotiating with Joe Tooney for, on a long-term deal because we got this other guy here. Now, maybe the, the team thinks differently and they've seen enough from practice and training camp and stuff like that behind closed doors to say that Onwenu is going to be a viable starter moving forward, but definitely not enough of the sample or enough competition, good, you know, high-end competition to make that proclamation just yet. What, what do you think of Shelby Harris? Because I, I think that he is somebody that is at least a little bit better than some of the guys that they faced and could test Onwenu a little bit. Uh, his run defense really stood out to me when I was watching Denver to get ready for this game. Yeah, so Shelby Harris last year I thought was a little bit of a down year for him. I know some people were still high on him last year, but I, I he, you know, early in the year last year, um, he had to play a lot of nose tackle, um, on rundowns, early downs, and I don't think that was the best fit for him. Um, I, I see him more, you know, successful as a three technique. He could play, he could rush over the nose and, and do some nice things there, but, um, so he started a little slow last year, started to come on at the end of the year, but he's a guy who, Prior to that, in like 18 and 17, um, definitely one of those years, I can't remember which one, he was like a guy who was a, he was, he looked like he was going to become a very good interior rusher. And then he's just been a little bit of up and down since, as most guys are, in, you know, across the league. But, um, yeah, I, I do think he has the ability to, to, to cause some havoc in this game rushing from the interior. Uh, he, he's really good with his hands and I think he's pretty strong with his hands as well. So that's something he's not the you know most athletic guy. He's not a guy who has great snap quickness or anything like that, but he's able to string moves together and it's going to really test the ability of, you know, on Wanu and, and Tooney, just their ability to um, utilize their hands and, and re-leverage their hands, reset their hands um, because he's going to, Harris is going to be able to knock their hands down initially at times. And it's going to be up to the, you know, one of those guys to obviously reset and create leverage again um, while obviously staying balanced with, with their feet. And that's a very difficult thing for blockers to do because, you know, they can get there in good position, good feet, good hands. But then if the rusher is able to, you know, string together a move real quick and knock down their hands, how is that guy going to react and, you know, respond to that. That's key for any, you know, evaluating offensive line. So I think we're going to be able to see that, um, you know, and also from the center as well. So all three guys are going to be tested in terms of their ability to recover. And I think that that's going to be really fun to watch because I don't know, I don't think that they've necessarily been tested very much in having to recover because a guy beats them initially. Um, so, yeah, in, in that regard, I think there's going to be a little bit of a test here uh, for, for all those guys, um, you know, when Harris is on the field, especially on passing downs. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can run the football on the interior as well as they have against this front for Denver, which I do think is 
a little bit stouter than some of those fronts that they've faced just in terms of getting guys, you know, double team blocks and moving guys and displacing guys off the ball. They're the ninth ranked DVOA run defense right now by football outsiders metric. So definitely a little bit better run defense than the Pats have faced uh, in the first four games of the season and a little bit of a stiffer test like you just mentioned. For Mike Purcell is a is a beast at nose tackle, man. Yeah, I don't. He, I believe he's going to play in this game. There's a couple of guys that probably wouldn't have played in the original matchup, but might be playing this one um, yeah. because of the delay. Uh, and Purcell is another one of those players who, you know, I look at this Patriots running game, and obviously they do a bunch of different things. And I wrote about that a few weeks ago. They ran, you know, something like 20 different blocking concepts or something like that in the first couple games of the season. But they want to be a power team, right? They want to be a 21 personnel run, you know, one back power, two back power, lead, that type of stuff. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that necessarily is going to work against some of these bigger guys that Denver has. I mean, I, I think from a power perspective that it's going to be a good matchup, um, you know, with the gap scheme stuff that New England likes to do. I mean, Purcell, though, is where it all starts for that rushing DVO, DVOA number, uh, in my opinion. He's just – He's an elite two-down run defender. I mean, that's what he is. He's not going to really do much as a pass rusher. He comes off a lot, but, you know, he plays, you know, I think the last game he played, you know, 60% of the snaps or so, and that's kind of what he does. I mean, you know, first and second down, I mean, he is pretty much immovable inside. Um, so that's going to be a huge test uh, for for the run game there. But I think they're going to be able to create some movement you know, off the guards, um, because while Shelby Harris is a pretty talented pass rusher, I mean, he, he's not a bad run defender at all, but I, I think that they can have some success over one of those three technique, you know, defensive end spots that, you know, the Broncos utilize. I know they utilize a lot of, you know, two interior defensive lines and then stand up outside linebackers and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm pretty sure the Broncos have Timmy Jernigan now as well. Uh, yeah. so that's a kind of an interesting one, uh, interesting, interesting name there, but I don't think they're very deep. You know, they've been decimated by injuries. Obviously, uh, the Broncos have, um, on their defensive line as well, Draymond Jones, Von Miller. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that there's, there's probably a pretty good chance that the Patriots can be successful on the ground here. Um, if they can run away from Purcell, you know, because I just don't see a whole lot of movement happening, you know, straight down the middle, but, you know, the B gaps, I think that there's a chance that, you know, some runs can hit there. I, I, you know, I think it's a pretty even matchup. If anything, I think the Patriots have an advantage uh, there. Yeah, you know better than me, but that 2-4 that front, I guess yeah. is what you would call it, the Patriots run it a ton too, and it seems like that's kind of the new 3-4 in the league for the most part is is this 2-4 look, and, and it's an interesting look because it puts it gives the defense, obviously, those two defenders either, you know, kind of in the A and the B gap on the line of scrimmage, and then a bunch of stand-up guys around the ball to sort of, you know, contain and flow and do those types of things. I think it's an interesting front of the Patriots, certainly, you know, putting guys, Purcell and Harris kind of remind me a little bit of what the Patriots like to do with their guys, you know, with like a Lawrence Guy and a Byron Coward, for example. It's an interesting front. I, I think it, it looks on initially like there's a lot of open gaps there to, to run on, but with the two gappers inside and if you have the run defenders on the inside, like a guy, like a person that can hold up against double teams and that sort of thing, it's a pretty effective front so far for new England. And I feel like it's starting to sprinkle across the league into the three, four schemes as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's kind of like a, 
you know, like a big nickel look um, that a lot of teams like to run, and Fangio certainly has the last couple of years. I mean, he's, you know, he's went from Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks to now Purcell and Harris, uh, you know, not not the same, but still that's kind of what he likes to do. Um, and I think that part of it is out of necessity because he is kind of banged up on his defensive line. So, um, you know, maybe the, the usage of that has increased a little bit from maybe last year or years past. But, yeah, I mean, it's been effective so far. But, um, you know, you know, granted, it's early in the season. And like I said, they're not very deep. So it's not like they have a lot of guys to throw out there right now. Um, now, I haven't watched, you know, the whole depth chart either. So uh, I don't want to go too far into speaking on, you know, their entire roster. But, um, you know, I've watched Purcell and Harris over the years, uh, over the last couple of years. I mean, and Purcell is, like you said, he, he's the key. He's the guy who kind of sets everything else up and allows other guys to play free and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, when I watch this game over, I'm definitely going to be looking at that. And then obviously Harris versus the guards in passing situations. Yeah, great stuff. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to talk a little bit more about these matchups between the Patriots and Broncos. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online you can get it in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win division and championship futures today head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses bet online your online sportsbook experts Okay, we are back here with Brandon Thorne of Establish the Run. Be sure to give him a follow on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL. We love Twitter threads, breakdowns, that type of stuff. Brandon has them all for you on the line of scrimmage. I want to talk about Patriots left tackle Isaiah Wynn, who I know you were pretty high on in the draft coming in, and we both kind of, you know, DM back and forth about is is the win breakout coming? Is this the year? Is this the game? He's looked pretty solid, I would say, to start the season. He's got a really juicy matchup against Bradley Chubb this week. I think this is going to be a really fun one to test Wynn's sort of anchor and ability to hold up against power against a guy like Chubb who can really bring it off the edge. Yeah, I mean, Chubb's, Chubb's been pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Wynn's been very good so far. I don't know what, you know, I know other people may have different opinions, but my, from what I've seen, I mean, I, I've liked Wynn every time I've seen him play in the NFL. I mean, I think the biggest struggles he's had was last year against Robert Quinn. Um, but aside from that, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, I think he's been very good. Uh, you know, just obviously health is the only thing holding him back in my eyes. So, to see him healthy this year is great. And even though he's dealing with the calf, I, I mean, what he did last week against Frank Clark, you know, I don't know if Frank Clark's dealing with anything because he's got pretty much shut out by him and Colton Miller in back-to-back weeks. But um, I thought Isaiah Wynn was pretty much locking him down all day. You know, he, he lost a, a rep late in the game in the fourth quarter where Clark just had an incredible get off and got to hit the quarterback uh, as he threw it. But Aside from that one rep, there may have been one more I'm, I'm forgetting about, but for the most part, he was on point that game in pass protection. I think Wynn is a very good run blocker as well. It's probably the most underrated part of his game. 
I mean, I, I think the thing about him is going back to Georgia, he's just a technician. He's so efficient. He's so good with his hands and uh, he's not obviously not the biggest guy, so he can get overpowered at times. That's just going to happen. Um, but as long as he can play with good technique, I think he can minimize a lot of that by creating leverage with his pads and his hands, you know, up and down and left and right leverage, as I like to call it. And I think he's a, he's very good at doing that. And it, it does a nice job of kind of circumventing his lack of size. Uh, you know, Bradley Chubb is definitely a power rusher. He's going to be able to, to test him a little bit in, in that regard, but, I mean, going in, I, I, I certainly favor Wynn um, in this matchup, uh, you know, but Chubb is a guy who is crafty enough and powerful enough to certainly win a couple reps. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I'm not saying Wynn's going to go in there and, you know, go, you know, 40 for 40 or whatever, 35 for 35. But, um, you know, you, you probably won't see him that much anyway because Chubb moves around and, of course, you know, help and slide protections and play action and all that kind of stuff. You know, so it's really only like 20, 15 snaps or so that he's going to see him one-on-one on an island. And I think in those amount of snaps, you know, I, I'm looking at this matchup for sure this week and going, I'm going to go back on it in detail and I'm excited to see it. It's just, it's it's definitely an intriguing matchup because of that power element that Chubb brings. So we'll see. Right, and I think that, you know, speaking to Wynn about how he kind of makes up for the fact that he doesn't, he isn't the biggest guy over the last couple of years. You mentioned his technique. He said that, you know, that's what he has to fall back on. His, he mentioned his athleticism first and, and then his technique. And he said, you know, if I'm not technically sound, if I, if I'm not, you know, setting from a strong base and having good hands and things like that and, and really understanding how to kind of block the particular guy I'm going up against and I'm going to get overwhelmed by power and I'm going to get, you know, kind of in trouble there. So I think right. in terms of his technique, it's just been amazing to watch how flawless he's been in that respect since day one, you know, second that he got on the field for new England, his rookie season, even in the preseason, you could tell that this guy knows what he's doing out there extremely well even right. from Georgia coming in. So that he's only really built on that, continues to be really good at that. I agree 100% with his run blocking being underrated because he's not, you know, I think that you get caught up in the Onwenu types or the Mason types that you can see the blocks, right? They're just thunderous blocks or they're caving guys in or they're, you know, leading up to linebackers and, and blowing them 10 yards off the ball and things like that are, are more maybe – tangible to the eyes because you can see him physically mm-hmm. dominating guys but Wynn has got great technique as a run blocker too great positional run blocker and de- definitely underrated upper body strength I, I would say too yeah. kind of move guys out of gaps and turn guys out and things like that so the Patriots mm-hmm. uh, have to be really happy what they got out of him I'm excited to see him against Chubb as well because of the power element as we both have mentioned you know Chubb's uh, got that really good long arm he's got a good speed to power kind of bull rush so I'm interested to see how Wynn kind of combats that with his size and it's not that Chubb's the biggest and the longest guy but he is you know over six foot four and certainly has some inches in his reach on Wynn as well so it'd be interesting to see this matchup and how Wynn kind of combats that and is able to handle that sort of power out there but I'm glad that you are so high on Wynn because I obviously trust your eyes a lot too and and I am also right there with you uh, against Frank Clark he gave up two pressures you were right one quarterback kick towards the end of the game and then just one hurry and that was it and, and that is just a really impressive performance against a good rusher I, I like you said I, I don't know if 
uh, Clark is dealing with something as well because he hasn't quite been himself the last few weeks. But it's really been every single time Isaiah Wynn gets out on the field, he looks like a starting caliber left tackle and maybe even trending towards a very good starting caliber left tackle. He just needs to stay out there and consistently play games, and we're going to continue to see uh, him grow. And, and right now, even though he's got the calf thing, I, I, he's healthy relatively. Everybody's mm-hmm. sort of – we're nearing the part of the season where everybody kind of has bumps and bruises, right? So uh, he seems like somebody I think that is is trending in the right direction in terms of his health, and I don't think the calf thing is anything super major. It's just something that they're kind of pacing right. during the week. I want to flip over to the other side of the ball. We've just briefly, we talked a ton about the Patriots' offensive line, and rightfully so, but Chase Winovich for the Patriots probably going to go up against Garrett Bowles. The Broncos left tackle some, but they do – flip Winovich left and right a ton. Uh, but just what have you seen from Chase so far? Because he's obviously off to a really good start here as well. Yeah, I mean, he's, the you know, the thing about him going back to Michigan is, I mean, he, he packs a really good punch at the point of attack with his hands, and I think he's able to stun guys. And off of that, he strings moves together, you know, swipes and clubs and rips. Um, but I think initially he has some pop to him. And, I think that's kind of what sets everything else up as a pass rusher. Now he can win quickly as well without doing that, but I think that's kind of thing, something that I really noticed off him on tape in college that's translated, you know, pretty well to the pro game. Um, so I think he has that, you know, that pop, that, that ability to kind of stun offensive linemen and stop them and get their feet stopped. And then, you know, the ability to win quickly and go around the corner or inside, um, you know, I think is pretty impressive and, you know, I think he's still, you know, learning to become more of a refined rusher and string moves together at a higher level. You know, he, he's won against some, some okay players so far this year. Um, you know, nobody, I haven't really seen many reps that he's won as a pass rusher against anybody good. Um, so, you know, that, that's something to just factor in. I, I think against Seattle, maybe uh, he had one against Dwayne Brown, but, I can't be sure. I, I thought it was maybe yeah, more so against Shell. Yeah, he Metcalf touchdown. He he hit Wilson he, as he was throwing, and he beat Brown on the rush. Yeah, yeah. That okay. So yeah, that's one that I do remember. That was really nice, and that that might be the the one that sticks out more than any other this year. But yeah, so you know that's just something I always factor in with all any kind of offensive and defensive line stuff is the matchup and level of competition. But yeah, so it's early, but I you know you see you see you see stuff translate with him from college to the pro game. The stuff that made him a good prospect is translating as a pro. So I think that's really all you want to see so far. And it's, you know, good, a good return, you know, on investment so far from him. And I'm just excited to watch him more and more in detail as the year goes on and then go back on matchups as well. He's not a guy that I've seen every snap on. Um, you know, I just, I don't watch a whole lot of the Patriots defensive line right now because I haven't noticed a rusher that's really kind of worth my time, honestly, because I only can watch so many guys. I mean, there's like 40, 50 guys I watch now. And, you know, for him to crack that lineup, I need to see, you know, something a little bit more, uh, you know, and I, that's just the way I, you know, I operate things, you know, for me as one person. But um the things I have seen, you know, I mentioned and, you know, Garrett Bowles, um, he, he's played better this year. I think that Winovich is a guy that can give him some trouble because of his ability to get offensive linemen's feet to stop. And I think Bulls is still susceptible to that. Um, so that'll be an interesting matchup. And, you know, the Broncos, 
they have a pretty good interior, um, at least a guard. Uh, center hasn't been good so far. Uh, right tackle hasn't been good. So they have some weaknesses that the defensive line for the Patriots can certainly take advantage of. I think it's going to be extremely difficult, as it usually is week in, week out, to, to move Lawrence Guy. Um, and I think he's going to be able to create some penetration as well, especially over the center. That's a very tough matchup for the rookie, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry. So th- there's some interesting matchups across the board here, I think, just, you know, that I think the Patriots have an advantage in. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up with Winovich stacking together moves. I really do think that's the next step for him. You know, he's got that speed rush. He's got the rip move that's gotten him uh, to bend the corner a few different times. And some of his strip sacks have really come from that kind of speed rip move that he uses. But being able to come up with counters, maybe a little bit more nuanced hand usage, I think is maybe his next step to developing from a really good pass rusher to, you know, kind of a great pass rusher. So I'm interested to see what he's able to do there because tackles, I'm sure, are going to start watching those speed moves on tape over and over again and say, you know, this guy's just going to try to turn the corner against me because there really hasn't been a ton other than when he's schemed to slant inside, like on a stunt or a pick or something like that. There hasn't been a ton of him kind of inside counter move types of things that he we, he has shown yet on tape, you know, a spin or a swim move or something like that. So I'm interested to see once the book is sort of out on his speed moves, on his rip move, on his speed to power, what what's sort of that next iteration, what's that next counter move for him to be able to, you know, kind of have multiple answers to whatever the tackles are doing against him. Uh, that to I me think is- we're – I think we're going to learn a lot about him in the next five weeks because he's going to see Trent Williams, Ronnie Stanley, um, Laramie Tunsil, and Deion Dawkins. Yeah. Uh, not, that, that's when we're really going to see, and I think after that we'll be able to say a lot more about him. Yeah, Deion Dawkins, it's interesting you brought him up, not to go on a whole rant about Deion Dawkins, but a lot of Patriots players think that Deion Dawkins is very over underrated, excuse me, uh, in the landscape of the league in terms of tackles. It's one of the better guys that they claim that they go up against. I'm glad that you also mentioned Lawrence Guy. I was going to quickly ask you about him as we wrap up here. He is an absolute anchor. I mean, I don't know what other words you can use, but – not only does he go out there and take on double teams maybe better than anybody else that I've seen in the league, and I don't watch you know, 40, 50 guys like you do, but he certainly is, a, is able to do that. And then also when they leave him one-on-one in the running game and he's not a part of a double team, he is an extremely difficult guy to stop one-on-one in, the, in a run-blocking situation. So mm-hmm. he's making plays when he's one-on-one. He's holding up when he's double-teamed. He's basically – to me, you know, you mentioned Purcell's the guy for Denver. He's that guy for the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Um, guy is, I mean, he's a lot of fun to watch. He's just, he's big, strong. I think he has pretty long arms as well to stack offensive linemen to keep them off of his chest. And he can naturally two gap if he needs to. He can reset the line of scrimmage, take on double teams. Just another one of those guys that's underappreciated that I really like watching. I mean, some of these two down guys, that, you know, maybe can push the pocket a little bit on passing downs, but really the reason why they're in the NFL and they get paid is because, you know, on first and second down, they're winning their matchup, you know, the vast majority of the time. And there's there's a bunch of those guys in the league. I mean, you know, not too many, but, you know, I could think of a bunch, and he's certainly among the top of those guys, you know, like Linval Joseph, um, you know, DJ Reader. There, there's, there's, there's a bunch of these type of players that 
are kind of in the similar mold as him. And I think he's right there with anybody in terms of like a, just a, sh- a sheer run defender. And I, I love watching those kind of guys play. So he's, he's one of those unsung heroes for sure. Yeah. He's been really the key to the entire run defense and they're playing with a ton of DBs on the field. I wrote about that the other day, you know, six or more guys on 62% of their snaps uh, mm-hmm. are defensive backs on the field right now. And, in order to be able to hold up like that with a guy like an Adrian Phillips basically playing as a weak side linebacker most of the time, it was only 220 pounds. You have to have a guy like Lawrence Guy who can eat double teams and get off blocks and create separation and reset the line of scrimmage and do all that dirty work basically uh, because if those linemen are getting up to guys like Adrian Phillips or Kyle Duggar who are only 220 pounds they're going to have a tough time disengaging and they're going to get pushed around so it's great to see Lawrence Guy finally get his due in New England I would say locally finally people are kind of realizing that this guy maybe he's not Vince Wilford good but he's really really good at what he does and uh, I think that he's probably the biggest most underrated player I would say on the entire Patriots roster right now is uh, is big Lawrence guy Brandon thank you so much for doing this I really appreciate it uh, is there anything that you want to shout out at this point uh, I know I've already plugged your Twitter handle a few different times or anything that you have coming on establish the run or anything like that um, you know each week for establish the run I do my mismatch article for the biggest offensive and defensive line yeah. mismatches in the league so that's coming out today I'm working on it now um, and then I also update all 32 offensive and defensive line rankings uh, for pass rush. So pass protection, pass rush uh, each week as well. So people want to check out that site. If, you, if you're involved in fantasy in any aspect, I think that you would get a lot of value out of that. Or if you just want to read about offensive and defensive line play as well. So that's kind of the main spot for me right now. Awesome. I can't recommend reading that enough. I can't recommend uh, subscribing to Establish the Run enough either. You mentioned Fantasy, Evan Silva, those guys. They do such a great job over at Establish the Run, and Brandon's obviously a great asset to them as well. So make sure to subscribe to Establish the Run. Help out uh, us journalists make some money. Help out Brandon and read him and follow him on Twitter at BrandonThorneNFL. For me, uh, we will be back next week on Patriots Beat but we're also going to be at Gillette Stadium on Sunday, hopefully, fingers crossed, for Patriots-Broncos with wall-to-wall coverage pregame, uh, during the game, and obviously postgame as well. So make sure to check that out and follow us at Patriots CLNS on Twitter and on our Patriots Press Pass YouTube channel. Until next time, signing off, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks once again to my guest, Brandon Thorne, and thank you for listening.